This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Hello and welcome to the penultimate episode of We Are Going Up. I'm David Cameron Walker and today I'm going to preview the playoff finals, my favourite time of the year. But first of all, I should say thank you very much indeed for all of you that have got in touch over the last few weeks. Since we made the announcement that we're going to call it a day in the summer after five years, we've had a lot of messages and, and, and well wishes of people saying how much they've enjoyed the show and wishing us all the best for the future. And we, we thank you very much indeed for taking the time to get in touch. And I really hope you've enjoyed it over the last five years and I hope you enjoy these last two shows. So the playoffs, Saturday, the championship, the big one. Sheffield Wednesday against Hull City. Sunday, League One, Millwall against Barnsley. And on Bank Holiday Monday, League Two, Plymouth Argyle against AFC Wimbledon. And we're going to start in reverse order with League Two. And we're going to talk to a man who joined us earlier in the season in what proved to be our last ever live special from Meadow Lane, the football editor from the Herald in Plymouth, it's Chris Errington. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. Chris, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, back on the 11th of October was when we spoke last. We were at uh, Meadow Lane, Notts County. were hosting Plymouth Argyle. And back then, it was all going so very well, flying high at the top of the league. And the season didn't quite turn into the procession that we thought it might have done at that time. But in the player final... How confident will Argyle be going into this match? Yeah, it's been a real roller coaster season for them, David. Yeah, that that game up at uh, at Notts County was one of the sort of high points of the season. Ruben Reid scored two goals that day and played really well. He um, scored the winning goal the following Saturday in a home game against Accrington Stanley and was was really on top form. But then suffered an injury in that game and was out for the next two months. And um, injuries have been a bit of a problem for them throughout the season. Not the biggest of squads. They've struggled at times to, to get their key players out on the pitch. But, you know, going into the playoffs, the good news for Argyle is that everyone's pretty much fit and, and ready to go. They've, they've had a, a real confidence boost in victory over Portsmouth in two really tough uh, legs in the semi-finals. And um, I think, you know, they, they're going into the playoffs, you know, slightly disappointed not to have got automatic promotion this season, but, but thinking that they're one goal away from achieving their aim. Of course, you mentioned key players. Graham Carey's been one of the, the key players all, all season yeah. when, he, when he's been playing. I remember speaking to the fans on that day at, at Notts County yeah. and they were all really impressed with the start he'd made. Just signed a new contract, which is good news, whatever happens on Monday. Absolutely, yeah. He was one of the players that was uh, picked up an injury. He was out for two months uh, over the winter with a knee ligament injury and um, that did sort of coincide with the start of the, the run of form where Argyle just started to dip away a little bit from the top of the table. You know, um, I see Argyle every week. Um, I try and be objective as best I can. I think if Grant Carey hadn't had the injury he did, he would have been winning the League 2 Player of the Year honours and things like that. I think he's that good. He's a real key player for Argyle. Midfield playmaker, set-piece specialist. You know, it took him a little while when he came back from his injury to get back up to full match speed, which was understandable. But uh, again, in the playoffs, I thought he really was, was pretty much back to his best. And uh, hopefully on the wide open pitch uh, space of uh, the Wembley pitch, he'll be able to uh, revel in that occasion. And the manner of, of the victory, which saw you get through to the final with that last gasp goal, surely the players really have got to be raring to go. Absolutely. I mean, the, the, the playoff semi-final against Portsmouth was, was a, a superb occasion. Both legs, uh, both full houses. You know, the noise at Fratton Park in the first leg was incredible. The Portsmouth fans 
made massive of noise. Argyle took uh, about 2,000 fans and, and the Green Army did their bit as well and really got behind the team. It was a great occasion, 2 to an absolute cracking tie. The second leg, I think it was probably inevitable that it was going to be a bit more cagey and, and it was, but uh, as you say, to score in the uh, in the second minute of stoppage time, just as extra time looked likely. Um, you know, I've seen plenty of games at home park over the years in in my job, but I can't remember many, if any, occasions where the, the noise and the atmosphere and the excitement when Peter Hartley scored that winning goal. It was um, it was a tremendous uh, tremendous moment for the club. They've had some dark days over you know the past five years or so, and uh, to get to Wembley, you know, you could under the, understand the excitement of the players, but particularly the fans. You know, they've stuck by the club over the years, and uh, you know they've really responded by uh, by buying up tickets in their thousands for the uh, for the player final. And if it all goes to plan on Monday and, and Plymouth find themselves in League One next season, plenty of reason to be optimistic after the recent news with uh, the director, Simon Hallett, the American, saying that there's going to be more investment and he actually wants to try and make Plymouth the number one club supported <laughs> in, in America, which would take some doing, wouldn't it? It, it would. I, I admire his ambition. Um, it wouldn't be the most straightforward of things, but um, but why not have goals? And um, he's come in and invested into the club, and uh, and that's good news. That uh, it, it's money that's uh, going to be available to uh, to one clear the last remaining debts from the club's time in administration, because that's still been hanging over their heads even in the uh, the time since 2011 when they had their financial difficulties. And then it's also going to provide some some working capital, as it was put. So. Hopefully that means that Derek Adams, the manager, will have a, a bit of money to spend, particularly if the uh, the club get promoted. I mean, they've had 9,000 average attendance this season. Uh, on average, they had over 1,000 people per away game. They've got some uh, good players in the team. Uh, you know, if they could get past Wimbledon, and I wouldn't underestimate Wimbledon at all. They showed against Accrington what a good side they are. But if Argyle can get past them, you know, there's no reason why they couldn't go up into League One and, and uh, give a very good account of themselves. If they weren't to make it, it up though because obviously there was the disappointment last season yeah. and John Sheridan left yeah. and Adams has done such a great job this season but if, if they fall at the final hurdle I mean how would you see the picture moving forward next season for League Two would Adams still be there do you think they could go again Absolutely, uh, Derek Adams will be there. I'd be very surprised. Well, yeah, I'd be very surprised if he wasn't. Um, they might lose one or two um, key players. You know, if they don't get promoted, I mean that's possible. Even if they do go up, but um, there might be one or two that they, they wouldn't be able to retain. But you know, Derek Adams came in uh, last June as the manager. He didn't have the, the greatest length of time to, to put a squad together. And by August the eighth, when the or August the sixth, when the season started, he'd, he'd done a pretty good job of recruiting. So, you know, if that was the eventuality and one or two went in the summer and he had to bring in some, some new players I, I, I'm, I'm confident that he'd be able to find the, the right sort of players for League 2 um, but obviously everyone down in Plymouth hoping that uh, it will be League 1 football next season And finally before you go got to ask for a prediction how's it going to go? How's it going to go? I think it will be it will be a tight game. I mean, Wimbledon, you know, I thought played really well in the two legs against Atkinson. Um The second half of the second leg, I thought was was really, really good. Um, predictions, you know, how can you predict league two football? It's, it's impossible. It goes from from one to the other. What I would say is, if if Graham Carey has a good game, if Argyle can get winner Greg Wild on the ball, get him running in the wide open space of Wembley, and most importantly, if they can avoid conceding. Some, some of the sloppy goals that have been a little bit costly for them the last couple of months of the season. I think Argyle can go to Wembley. 33,000 fans more in a month of victory. Thanks to Chris Errington, football editor at the Herald in Plymouth. Now on to their opponents, AFC Wimbledon, making his debut 
on We Are Going Up. He's the European football expert, but more importantly, lifelong Wimbledon fan, Andy Brassel. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. Andy, thanks very much for, for joining us, making your uh, your Wagyu podcast debut in the, the penultimate episode before we say no more. You got in just in time. never. Indeed, <laughs> yeah. Now, you're a man who probably watches more football than any person I know, I imagine, given given what you do for the job <laughs> and your, your amazing depth of knowledge. But this, this game on Monday is going to be a very different game to the ones you're, you're used to watching. Yeah, and uh, a rare pleasure. I only get to see Wimbledon probably like half a dozen times a season now. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'll be leaving my analytical eye at home because that's the way I, I watch Wimbledon. It's, uh, I, I totally switch off and, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's very much a, a calling of the heart. But it's just been incredible, really, because, uh, you know, I never expected um, the playoffs this season and to, to, to get to the final is even more incredible given that I sort of thought we were the weakest team of the four um, going into it. You squeeze past Atkinson in the semis. How confident are you and how confident do you think the players will be as well? I think the players will be confident. Me, less so, uh, because uh, I've seen Plymouth a couple of times this season and um, uh, the general consensus uh, consensus that I would back up is they're a lot better than us um, but all the pressure's on them you know they're, they're a bigger club and they're expected to, to, to get out of this division perhaps a, maybe a little less than Portsmouth um, who've already got further than so um, you know there's, there's a really great feeling around the, around the club and what I really liked especially about the second leg against Atkinson well, in fact it's something you could say about the first leg as well that Wimbledon were just stronger as the game went on and I think that bodes really well on on, um, on, a, on a big pitch on you know what might be a hot day so the main man of course is Bayouac in Fenwer we, he's the man that we, we, we see on Sky Sports News We the cameras yeah. love him and there's the whole beast mode thing but really I guess the guy we should be focusing on is, is Lyle Taylor because he's carried the team in terms of goals this season he's had an amazing season Absolutely, he really has. And I think the fact that uh, Akin Fenway isn't first pick for the 11 now says says a lot. Um, and everything that, that Akin Fenway's done to the club on, on and off the pitch has been absolutely fantastic. He's been top value in these two years, but he'll probably go at the end of the season. I think most fans are probably fine with that. Um, because Taylor has been fantastic. He's got that nasty little edge, which I, I think um, has has been really, really beneficial. Uh, his pace is important. He works really, really well with Tom Elliott, who hasn't scored a lot of goals, but is, is a wonderful foil for him. Um, I think there are a few hearts and mouths um, when Taylor started holding uh, the back of his um, thigh towards the end of the Atkinson game, but it, it seems... He's he's okay, and he was he was just cramping up, which which is huge. He would be really really missed if he he didn't play. And um, you know, I think he's really benefited from the faith that Neil Ardley's shown in him, and that, that that sort of spirit that we talked about before. Because you know, he's someone who, despite being quite young, has, has never really settled. He's moved around a lot of clubs, but you know, he sense he's, he's kind of found a, a home at Wimbledon. And after a, a tricky start, he's he's been unstoppable. Football league state is now well and truly consolidated after a few years of of, mm. of, of mid-table finishes in in League Two. 
playoffs this time round, but you do go in as the underdogs, I think, as you, as you recognise there. You're certainly the neutrals' yeah. favourite. Everyone loves the story. Everybody loves Wimbledon and, and the romance and, and the history and all that. But where are you as a club now? I mean, if, if you don't go up, you, do you think that you could establish yourself going forward as a big club in League Two and, and, and go again? Or is this going to be maybe a one-off and you might go back a bit? Um, yeah, I, I think uh, it's you know an, an unexpected treat. And it is a stepping stone to becoming uh, maybe a regular promotion contender if, if, if we don't go up. Um, I, I think Accrington are a great example because they've shown it's, it's not all about budget. And they're terrific to watch. You know, um, I saw the league game at um, Kings Meadow when they played us off the park and that Billy Key goal was rather ludicrously chalked off when the referee blew his whistle when it was on the, on the way into the net. So um, I think it shows that, that we managed to get past them in, in, in the two legs. That um, we've, we've come a long way even since then. Um, I feel that uh, Neil Ardley's learned a lot as a, as a young coach on the way. Um, but behind the scenes, obviously, the, the major thing is uh, the stadium. So I think that's what everyone's looking towards this year, more even than promotion. Like To go up would be really nice um, to get new plough lane agreed would be the ultimate really that would be far above and beyond this and you know if we could get promoted and uh, seal the deal for that um, with the, the Mayor of London's blessing in, in the same season that would really be what it was all about and apart from being a, a spiritual calling that a lot of us feel like I, you know I, I watched my last game there when I was 14 years old and being able to take my own children there would be an absolutely fantastic privilege that I, I never could have dreamed of a, a couple of years ago um, I, I think that really that, that sort of um, facility is, is what would enable us to, 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 to make the move up the league I'm, I'm not talking about what Neil Ardley's talking about getting to the Premier League or anything like that but just becoming maybe um, a, a club that could establish itself maybe at a third level and eventually at a, a championship level because, you know, that's that's the ambition. Hand on heart, how do you think it's going to go? Uh, I think Plymouth are going to win still. I, I just think they're very, very impressive. Um, but I'm, I'm sure uh, the, the Wimbledon team will, will make us really proud and, and that's what all we could have hoped for at the start. Now, before you go... I'm going to put you on the spot here, but I'm, I'm sure you'll be able to deal with it. Um, there's, there's <laughs> over the years, uh, regular listeners will have heard us several times talk about various specials and programs and stuff that we dreamed up of. And there's a, there's a big long list of, of sort of special features that we we never got round to doing. One of which was looking at the uh, football league equivalents, if you like, so second tier and below across Europe, and sort of seeing which countries have the best ones at all. So if you can, which country across sort of Europe from the main countries you think has the best uh, lower divisions? Um, I think that the most obvious one is, is Germany because there are a lot of really big clubs stuck in there. And um, I remember like a couple of years ago, I think that the, the last... Uh, second tier game that I went to uh, outside of England. It was probably two years back when I went to see uh, FC Cologne on a um, Saturday uh, lunchtime in February. Uh, it was minus four. They were quite a long way off the top three at the time, and you know they ultimately weren't promoted that season. And forty-four thousand in the stadium, and you know I think it's it's, it's something you notice when you go across 
Europe that people are absolutely blown away by the fact that, oh, what women get on telly sometimes and what people show fourth and fifth tier football on telly and there's an appetite for that. People find it really hard to believe and, you know, it's something something you're, you're quite proud of and quite excited by when you sort of communicate that to the people who either don't realise that or are quite incredulous about the extent of following that it, that it gets. But um, the German second tier, I, I think, is, is something pretty special and I, I love the way as recently we we had you have the playoff at the end of the season, which was uh, is between the third bottom uh, um, in, in the in the Eins and the third top uh, in, in the Bundesliga Zwei over over two legs. But of course, I'm old enough to remember when in eighty six, eighty seven, and eighty seven, eighty eight, the first the old first division and the old second division did that, and it produced two absolutely brilliant playoffs um, between uh, Charlton and Leeds, and then the second year between Chelsea and Middlesbrough, uh, and that's something that. You know, I know the playoffs work and people really enjoy them and stuff, but a little tweak to bring back a bit of that, I think, would be quite exciting. There is appetite for change at the moment, as we saw last week with those plans. So you never know what could happen in the, in the next few years. If we get these five divisions, we might see a return of those sort of playoffs. Who knows? Well, I don't think we need to go to five divisions to, to make that happen. Let's just make it happen anyway. <laughs> yeah. Andy, thanks very much for your time. My pleasure. You're listening to We Are Going Up. We've got the Football League covered. European football guru and Wimbledon fan Andy Brassel there. Now on to League One and we'll start with Millwall. Speak to a man who you've heard many times over the years on We Are Going Up, usually when Millwall have been down in the doldrums, particularly a couple of years ago when Ian Holloway was on. I do remember a very, very angry rant from this man. It's We Are Going Up, stalwart and Millwall fan Joe Amphlett. This is We Are Going Up. Joe, thanks very much for joining us. You've been a, a familiar and a welcome voice over the years uh, on We Are Going Up as, as we bring things to a close. And it looks like Millwall could be going out of our tenure of being uh, covering the Football League on a high. No strangers to Wembley. You've been there a few times over the years. Do you think it's going to be a happy trip to Wembley for you on Sunday? I bloody hope so. Um, I've, got, I've got a bad feeling, Dave, if I'm honest. I've got a really... It, it reminds me of 2009 and we faced Scunthorpe in the final and we went up the following year, but um, they beat Scunthorpe beat us twice in the league that year, like Barnsley have this time. And um, I don't know, I just I, I just don't fancy this. Barnsley have already played at Wembley once as well and uh, they know how to win there. I'm, I'm just a bit nervous about it, but that's, that's just the pessimist in me, I suppose. I've been having regular chats with you over the season, sort of keeping check on, on Millwall and how they've been doing. I mean, from a from a distance, it looks like you've got to be really happy with this season, coming down from the championship, potentially bouncing straight back up, finishing in the playoffs is probably more than what you may necessarily have expected from a, a rookie manager such as Neil Harris. But how have you have you felt during the season as it's fluctuated? It's been a frustrating season, actually. And I, I, I completely see what you're saying from a, an outsider's point of view. You look at the table and you think, well, they've done well to to uh, to be up there and thereabouts. And in other times when we've gone down to League One, we've really struggled to get... It's taken us usually about five, four or five years to get out of League One. So if we do get out of the first attempt, then there's no doubt about it. It's a magnificent achievement by Neil Harrison and David Livermore. And uh, you can't take that away from them. But I personally have been uh, a little outspoken, a little frustrated at some of our 
um, performances, especially at home. I mean, away from home, we've been fantastic. At home, at the start of the season, first half of the season, we we were pretty awful and we were losing games that we should have been winning. Um, but in recent times, especially in these, in these two playoff games as well, I think we've played really well and I think uh, we've dealt with different situations and I think Neil is learning as he goes and tactically getting better and better. So you know, as, as much as I've been frustrated, I think Neil does deserve a hell of a lot of credit for getting us to where we are. And who are going to be your key players? Who are going to be your match winners if it goes well for you on Sunday? Uh, it's pretty obvious to say, I suppose, but Lee Gregory on 27 goals. I mean, I can't remember the last time someone scored 27. It was probably Neil Harris, actually, that got that many goals in the season. Um, he's been he's been fantastic. 27 goals is amazing. But Morrison as well, alongside him up front, I think he's got about 18 goals himself. Uh, when a lot of people have written him off and Leeds didn't want him and stuff. I thought that was a great signing by Harris, bringing Morrison in. So them two up front, We've been very lucky that none of them have got injured because we haven't got much strength and depth. So they all be key uh, that we get them that they're both fit on on Sunday. Um, but uh, Shane Ferguson, we signed from Newcastle in January as well, is uh, is a superb player, um, very versatile, can play at left back and, and uh, left side of midfield, and he's got a great delivery. And if he can get some of, some of, some of our set pieces this season have been fantastic, and he's been on the end of quite a few of them. So if he's on good form. Um, I, I, you know, who knows? I fancy us uh, to score a few goals, but I'm just, ner- I'm just nervous that, that Barnes are going to do one over on us. It's a horrible situation, the playoff final. It's a whole season, and if you lose it, it's, it's just a horrible. I mean, to win it is fantastic, but to lose, I've been on both sides. I've won it, and it, we've, we've won it, and we've lost it, and it, and it, it feels bad if you lose and feels great if you win so I'm still not over the uh, the FA Cup semi-final myself from a few weeks ago but I mean I shouldn't complain really you getting, shouldn't complain getting that far you're in, Premier, you're in the Premier League yeah so I've got no sympathy for you if it uh, <laughs> if it doesn't go well and you are miserable on Sunday what 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 is the situation with Neil Harris and I mean obviously he's a Millwall legend I'm sure most of the fans would still back him but do you, you think he would have it in him to, to pick the team up and, and go again and have a successful crack at it next season uh, absolutely, I think, and and that is really important as well. We've we've made mistakes in the past when we've tried to get people in like Lomas and Billy Bonds, West Ham legends. It's not, it doesn't work. This guy's a legend at Millwall. The fans will give him more time than usual. Maybe he's made a rod for his own back because he's he's if he'd finished tenth this year or even lower, the fans would still be behind him and still be supporting him. Uh, but now he's finished highly and got us to the playoff final expectation will be high so he will be up for the challenge I think he'll improve as a manager next year as well but as I say Rod for his own back the fans will want and I will want if we don't go up uh, to be knocking around the top two and try and get up automatic next year that would be the aim and finally a prediction how do you think it's going to go deep down (laughs) I think Barnsley are going to win it 3-2 I don't know. I, I just think they're going to nick it. I, 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 that's terrible, isn't it? But um, I just hope that I'm wrong. I really do. Well, I'll, be gutting. I'll do my best to uh, help you out and I'll put some money on Barnsley. <laughs> I might put some money on Barnsley as well. And I'll win both ways. <laughs> Joe, we wish you all the best. We, we, we wish Millwall good luck on, on Sunday. And thanks very much for, for coming on so readily over the years. Pleasure, mate. Take care. Millwall fan Joe Amphlett there, now onto their opponents, Barnsley, with a man who is one of the foremost authorities on all things Yorkshire football, talk sport reporter, host of The Ref Show on youarethereft.com, 
Alan Biggs. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. Alan, thanks very much for, for joining us. You are a man who knows pretty much all there is to know about Yorkshire football. And there, there are a few Yorkshire teams in the playoffs this season. Uh, we're going to start with Barnsley, though. Uh, League One against Millwall on Sunday. Uh, what a remarkable season for Barnsley. Bottom in December. They had that amazing run of games where they lost loads on the spin. And then Lee Johnson sort of got them going again. But then he moved on to pastures new at Bristol City. Paul Heckingbottom took over and now they find themselves on the cusp of going up. It's quite an amazing story. It is. and I think but for Leicester City and and the deserved publicity, blanket coverage of their fantastic achievement in winning the league, league title, I think probably more light would be cast on this and more people would be looking at Barnsley and saying, goodness me, how on earth has that happened? Because uh, one moment uh, in December there, I would think that uh, Lee Johnson was probably 90 minutes from the sack, having lost eight games in a row, uh, to pull it round and then be lured off to Bristol City. But then for Paul Heckingbottom to step up and just carry it on, I think they've just lost three of 29 games, something like that, which is a, a remarkable run. Um, I was talking to Paul Heckingbottom today, who also remarkably is still only caretaker manager, despite all that. Which is amazing. And I, I saw you've also been talking to the CEO uh, today. Is that right? Was there, were there any uh, light shed on, on whether or not Paul's going to get the job full time? Well, that was the line of questioning, David. Um, and it, while it wasn't emphatically answered, what was absolutely clear from both Ben Mansford, the chief executive, and from Heckingbottom himself, was that his future and that issue does not hinge on this one game at Wembley. I mean, that would have been incredibly unfair, wouldn't it, if the guy had to win again in order to land the manager's job. The firm impression I had was that regardless, whatever the result on Sunday, win or lose, that they will sit down and they will talk about a contract as manager for Paul Hackingbottom. Any other outcome uh, than that, I would be utterly astonished. I mean, it did cross my mind that a nice touch would have been to have gone into the game and maybe today have announced, look, he is our manager, going to be our manager, take the pressure off. But I think they're maybe a bit superstitious. They, they, they're having such a great run. They don't want to change, absolutely, don't want to change anything, yeah. risk disturbing the chemistry. So they'll leave it like this. I mean, the thought does occur, though, that uh, as a new manager, an inexperienced manager has just stepped up, um, it's going to be a huge jump. If Barnsley were to win, uh, he would then be a, a, a full-scale championship manager. Well, you could argue he'd be better equipped for the job if they don't win. But, you know, nobody, you know, what, what, you, know you can't penalise a guy for, <laughs> for, for, for winning promotion, can you? Uh, so... Uh, he wants it. He wants the job. Make no mistake. Uh, that's what I expect, whatever the outcome. And of course, this isn't the first time that Barnsley have been at Wembley this season. They were victorious in the JPT final against Oxford, 3-2 on the day. So that bodes well. It does. And that, that was a recurring theme from the players I spoke to today, uh, from Ashley Fletcher and from Connor Hurihan. Hurihan's a, a quite a prolific scorer from from deep positions. I think 11 goals this season. Uh, and it's a young team as well. And I think absolutely crucial um, that they have sampled that. And not only have they been to Wembley this season, but as you say, they won. They came from behind uh, to win 3-2. And, and, and those good memories are, are fresh. But I, you, you've got no feeling of anything other than confidence from the Barnsley players uh, today. And I think that youth also 
counts in their favour. They're very young, they're very fit. Uh, but against the Millwall team that I saw recently uh, win handsomely at Bradford City in the, in the first leg and they completed the job in the second. Um, and, and Millwall are a stronger team physically, I'd have said, than Barnsley. So it's going to be a very interesting contest. If you had to choose a winner, who would you go for? Do you know, I'm going for Millwall uh, because I was so impressed with what I saw. I think that um, the combination up front as well of uh, Lee Gregory and, and Steve Morrison looks really powerful. I mean, powerful in the physical sense, uh, but also, uh, you know, the wonderful goal-scoring ability of Gregory alongside the bigger man. I think between them, something like 45 goals this season. Defensively, Millwall looks strong. They're well-managed by Neil Harris. And taking nothing from Barnsley, my hunch would be, I think, that, that Millwall will win this one, but it'll be very tight. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Alan Biggs on Barnsley there and we'll hear more from Alan later when we talk about championship finalists Hull City but first to their opponents Sheffield Wednesday now we spoke to this man at the start of the season previewing what we thought could be something of a promising season for the Owls but it's gone remarkably well so let's hear from Sheffield Wednesday fan and of course Sky Sports News' very own David Garrido This is the We Are Going Up podcast Well David thanks very much for joining us uh I don't think you could have imagined that it would go this well when we spoke back in August. I think there was there was a sense that a good thing might potentially be on the horizon, but to go as well as it has done in this first season, it's been amazing, hasn't it? It has. I think it has surpassed everyone's expectations, uh, bar none, pretty much. Um, Carlos always said that we were outsiders, um, and when he was appointed as, as head coach, I think, there were a lot of people wondering who he was and what he was about. And, and now I think he's actually become known in the championship as a very charismatic man, a man who likes to play good football. Um, and, you know, he's created this camaraderie. And I think that's really been the strength of, of the squad as a whole, because everyone knows their roles. Um, and now we've kind of got to a point where that's built and built and built. And we've managed to get through um, 46 games of the regular season, two more of the playoffs so far. And then of course, it's Saturday and anything can happen. So, yeah, I mean, I think it has been one of those seasons which, regardless of the result on Saturday, will we'll live long in the memory because it's been such a pleasant surprise. And one of the one of the stars of the show, Fernando Forestieri, is a, a player that I, I know quite well. And I, I was actually at a game early on in the season, Watford at home to Southampton in our third, third game of the season. And he was on the bench that day in August still and the, the entire rookery end was chanting his name they were desperate for, for Kike to bring him on we, we yeah. knew he was probably going to leave and nobody wanted him to leave because we all felt that he could do a job for us in the Premier League he could contribute and he sadly left he went to Sheffield Wednesday and I think the season that he's had has proved that he is more than capable of being a Premier League player should you get the victory I think that's right. I mean, I think I've spoken to a couple of people who've, who've said he could even be, you know, a top four, top five team in the Premier League player. Um, and, and I firmly believe he is one of the main reasons why we are in the situation that we are. Not just his 15 goals. And remember that he wasn't able to play in the League Cup because he was cup tied. So whenever we had a League Cup tie, 
he, he wasn't able to be selected. So most of that damage has been done in, in the championship. And, you know, it's, it's not just that, but it's sheer work ethic. I mean, you know, the boy fights for every single ball. Um, he really gets stuck in. I think he, he makes everyone else raise their level too. He wants to be, you know, um, contributing in every possible way. Uh, and I've got to know him personally over the last few months as well. And, and, and you know, I, I'd like to say he's become a bit of a friend of mine. And, um, you know, we, we chat a fair bit over, over texts and WhatsApp and things. And, you know, he, he's someone who is just so, so passionate. Um, and that sort of comes from his Argentine roots, I guess. Uh, and I've met his family, I've met his agent, I've met his, his fiance now. And, you know, it's such a, a great environment for him. Um, being at Sheffield Wednesday, big club with a big heart. And I think that really suits him down to the ground. But what about his uh, his treatment by the referees? He's had a fair few cautions, hasn't he, for diving? Do you think they've been unfair, most of them? I think they have, actually, David. Yeah, I think um, certainly the one against Hull, um, ironically enough, um, was one where Michael Dawson himself admitted that he did catch him. Uh, you could see by his reaction at the time that, that he had caused him and he was worried about what the referee might show him. Um, but actually, in, instead, it was Forestieri. He got the the second yellow and, and then off. And he was absolutely distraught. He was absolutely distraught after that. Um, and and I think the one against MK Dons looked pretty di- difficult as well. I, I, I can't quite work out, um, you know, ha- how he got given a, a yellow card there. But, I mean, in, in any case, you know, I think the points were made, he's sort of playing against his reputation. Um, whether that's the case or not, um, you've got to hope that it comes around a little bit because, you know, he, he was banned um, not only for, for one game after the first yellow and red, but then, of course, two games once the, the second yellow and red came around. Um, but, you know, I, I think as far as Forestieri is concerned, he's got to just keep doing what he's doing um, because that's how he creates the chances. I mean, he did that really well in the second leg against Brighton. Just take the heat, take the heat out of the game, you know, winning free kicks uh, and just breaking up the game so that Brighton couldn't establish any more momentum. Um, so, you know, I, I think it has been tough for him, but, you know, hopefully... Um, you know, the, the luck pans out over a season. We'll see what happens on Saturday. But he's far from the only weapon in the team, really. There's, there's been a, a, a lot of contributions in terms of goals this year. Gary Hooper scored his fair share. Ross Wallace has chipped in. Barry Bannon's been very good when I've seen him as well. So there's, there's plenty for Hull to be thinking about. Yeah, I think so. I, I think, you know, Ross Wallace has proved his worth in, in the playoffs themselves. He was banned for three games and then, then came back against Brighton. Scored a fantastic goal at home. Scored a slightly fortuitous one away, but... Even so, I think his assists are really, you know, what, what's made the difference for him. Barry Bannon, when, when he can really dominate a game, when he can pull the strings, uh, he has been so consistent. He's in the, 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 the championship team of the year. Um, and Gary Hooper, well, I think, you know, he was a little bit of a slow burner. Um, I remember seeing him at Charlton, I think it was away from home, and thinking, oh, um, he, he looked a little bit laboured. He looked a, a little bit like he, he hadn't played much football, which, of course, he hadn't at, at Norwich. He was very much frozen out. It took him a while, really, to, to, to find his groove, to get his fitness, to get his match fitness. And then he started scoring in flurries. And I think he does have that real sort of touch of, of Premier League class, if I can put it that way, when he's on it. Um, I think the key thing is having all those players involved um, and, and making sure that they're all a focal part. And don't forget also Kieran Lee. Um, you know, he's been the player who's made the most appearances this season. He didn't even start the opening game of the season. We were playing a different formation uh, where he didn't quite fit in originally. And, and he's just been, again, metronomically consistent. So I think there are offensively, certainly, um, a, a lot of options for us. Um, for, from my perspective, I just hope that, that everyone plays, you know, the, the football that we know that they can play. There's obviously a huge opportunity now to, to get into the Premier League, to get all the riches that come with that. But if you don't, 
manage to do it? It's a question I've asked everyone I've spoken to today. What do you think will be this, the situation for Sheffield Wednesday next season? Do you think there are real solid foundations for the for the club to be uh, a sustained sort of top championship club if they don't manage to get up? I hope so. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've we've brought um, we've brought now a real core, um, and and I think Carlos Carvalho always wanted a really strong British soul to the team. He's really created that, and and I believe those players, a lot of them, are having you know the best time of their careers. You hear Bannon talk about it. You hear Wallace talk about it. How much they're enjoying their football at Wednesday. So hopefully, um, you know, if the worst came to the worst, and we we didn't beat Hull on Saturday, then you know that they would stay. We'd continue our upward trajectory. I think originally when uh, Dipon Chantiri, uh, our, our chairman, took over Sheffield Wednesday, um, his original sort of aim was to get the club up by its 150th anniversary, which is in 2017. Um, so uh, essentially, if we don't do it this year, well, there is a chance still to do it by his sort of imposed deadline. But I guess, you know, of course, if we can take it a year early, we absolutely would. But it isn't the end of the world if we don't. But of course, as you say, this is a, this is a huge chance. It's a, it's a one-off game. And certainly sort of among the fans, there's this real sort of driving force now. You know, the ticket sold out so quickly. You know, it's amazing they even got to general sale, but when they did, done in an hour. So I think, you know, it's a real celebration, this, whatever happens. You know, um, going to Wembley for the first time in 23 years. Uh, yeah, it was the uh, FA Cup final in 93, the replay, that was the last time that the Sheffield Wednesday were at Wembley. So, you know, I think everyone is just going to enjoy that occasion because it's been just such a long time. And then, you know, we'll, we'll see what, what can be produced on the pitch. You're going up against a team with a hell of a lot of Premier League experience, international mm. experience at, at that, a manager in Steve Bruce who, who has had promotions with a number of teams in the past. So are you, are you confident? Do you think the players will be confident? And how are you feeling as a fan? I think there is a confidence there. It's it's not particularly sort of ostentatious, I would say. Um, everything's always been very focused, relaxed but focused and, and kind of calm, really. Um, that's the sort of mood I've noticed over the last few games. Um, and certainly when we've had these sort of almost like knockout games to try and um, decide something, so against Cardiff, for example, in the regular season, winning that game meant that we, we knocked them out, we secured our place in the playoffs. And then again, Brighton, the, the, the performance at home with that incredible atmosphere. I think the, the players have always risen to that. And I think the, the fans have had a huge amount of, of, of a role to play in that. I, I agree with you. I think Hull are a very talented team. Um, they've pretty much kept the same squad that they came down with. And you've got proven class there, the likes of Dawson, um, Huddleston, Livermore. Abel Hernandez was a shrewd addition and, and Modi Army has contributed as well. And, and, you know, I'm a big fan of Robertson down the left-hand side. I think, you know, Jack Hunt, and Ross Wallace, if they do play, um, we'll have a lot to kind of keep an eye on there. Um, it, it's it's an interesting kind of matchup, and you know, Steve Bruce, I also have a lot of time for. I think you know he's a very honest man. He's a he's an entertaining manager, um, and you know he's very respectful. And he himself has admitted, you know, that that Wednesday have a, a better team than they've had in years. So I think it's all set up really. Um, you know, I'm, to answer your question, am I confident? Yes, yeah, yeah, sort of. Um, but I just know exactly what Hull are about and how much class they have, real proven quality. And, and then, of course, it's just going to be so difficult to go up again. You never know what's going to happen on the day. You never do. I mean, listen, um, if it goes into an extra 30 minutes and if it goes to a shootout, then, you know, I'm going to be watching through my fingers with my nails bitten down to the core. But I will make myself watch it. I'm not one of those people who will turn their back to the shootout. You know, I, I managed to change my shift to Sky to go to the, the first leg of the, of the playoff semi-final and, and work early 
then drive up to Sheffield and, and, and watch Sheffield Wednesday against Brighton at home and, and then watch Sheffield Wednesday against Brighton away. And, and obviously I'm going to, going to Wembley. I think, you know, you, you have to live this properly. As a fan, yes, you can watch it on Sky Sports. That's great. And, you know, we'll give it the Sky Sports treatment. But, you know, being there, there is no substitute for that. Um, and I will watch every single second, even if it does go to penalties and even sudden death. I'll make myself do it. Well, I'm a man, unfortunately, who knows all too much about um, Wembley disappointments over the last few years. But uh, I mm. wish you better luck than that. Uh, we, we wish you all the best uh, on Saturday. Uh, and thanks very much for your time tonight and also for your, for your time over the years uh, joining us on the podcast. Oh, no, absolute pleasure. And, and, you know, I'm a real, real fan of, of We Are Going Up. I think it's been a, a fantastic project and, and great to check in with you every so often as well, Dave. So, uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you very much for the opportunity. David Garrido from Sky Sports News on his beloved Sheffield Wednesday, who, of course, take on Hull City in the Championship playoff final on Saturday. And let's hear more from Alan Biggs now about Hull City and the sort of shape they're in ahead of that. What is it? A £170 million match, they're calling it now? This is the We Are Going up podcast. We're back with Alan Biggs to turn to the third Yorkshire club in the playoffs. We've just spoken to David Garrido about Sheffield Wednesday, but Alan, you're going to tell us all about Hull City. You were there the other day with the players, with Steve Bruce, uh, and we'll start with that man, Steve Bruce. Is it win or bust for him this? Uh, not, not in terms of that he'll be sacked, but more, do you think that if he doesn't take them up, he might think, I'm, I'm going to go and find a new challenge somewhere? Absolutely. That, that is entirely my, my reading of it. He said nothing to confirm that. Uh, you have to look at things like body language. You have to listen to people around the club who, who, who know it better than I do. I mean, I see Hull City fairly uh, regularly, but he's been there four years. And, you know, four years in football now as a manager of one club is, is an awful long time. I remember Jack Charlton many, many years ago, he took people aback when he walked out of Sheffield Wednesday. He'd done well there. He'd been manager five years and he just walks away saying... It's it, four or five years is long enough for any any manager at any one club. Now he was well ahead of his time in in saying that, uh, and I do. But I I think it's it's more to do with the politics surrounding the club, uh, David, than than anything else. Uh, for whatever reason, uh, the owners of Hull uh, and a faction of the support, a section of the support, are at battle stations and have been. For some years now, you know, there was the name change, a membership scheme. Uh, really, there is entrenched feeling on both sides there. And Steve Bruce has been stuck in the middle. I mean, he's not, no, no manager's ever going to back against his boss uh, and side with supporters. But, you know, he's between a, a rock and a hard place on that. Um, so I think he's been, you know, tired of putting fires out. Uh, it's clearly his priority has been to make sure it doesn't affect the team. But I feel that after having uh, won one promotion and, and enjoyed uh, one period in the Premiership at Hull City, were they to go up, I think it's a 50-50 as to whether he stays or not. Were they not to go up and to lose this game, I'm going 75-25 that he's going to leave. Just looking at the match itself... In terms of the two teams, Sheffield Wednesday, very much the surprise outfit in the Championship this season. Not a lot of Premier League experience in, in that team, though there's some exciting players, though they are. Hull have got a lot of experience. A lot of those players remained with the club who've played, not just in the Premier League, but some for, the, for their country, for England, no less. So the, the pressure is all on Hull, really. Well, I would say so. The expectations on Hull 
Uh, they finished higher in the table. Uh, they've got uh, bigger name players, uh, as you've said there, uh, and more of them. But if you don't look at the individuals and you just look at team, then there's an argument that says that Sheffield Wednesday have been consistently better because they've simply been consistent. They haven't had these alarming fluctuations. They've been pretty steady in their form all the way. And, and, and I think there's an argument strongly that suggests that Sheffield Wednesday are more, a more effective team going into this match. Plus the fact that of all the individuals on show, perhaps Sheffield Wednesday have got the outstanding one and the most likely match winner in Fernando Forestieri. Uh, and a, a man who has been in the headlines this season for not just his goals, but there's been a lot of incidents where he's been booked uh, and been mm. cautioned for, for simulation. So some Sheffield Wednesday fans will, will tell you that he, he's being harshly treated. Other fans of opposition teams will say that he likes to go down if, if there's so much as a gust of wind. Now, you're, you're a man who, who does a lot of work with referees and, and on the referee show on, on You Are The Ref. What do you think of him in terms of his reputation for, for diving and going down easily? Well, it's uh, both unfair and undeserved, and to use another word, travesty, according to the people that I work closely with, like Mark Halsey and Keith Hackett uh, on You Are The Ref, who studied all of these incidents and have been very critical, not a forestieri, but the referees have, have made those decisions. Uh, one of those referees was a guy called Tim Robinson, and it was against Hull City. Uh, if you, you remember, it was a game uh, at Hull. Uh, it finished in a draw. It was a televised game. And Michael Dawson lunged in with uh, a challenge that on another day could have earned him a straight red card. And astonishingly, Forestieri, who couldn't get out of the way, was booked for diving. And that was a second yellow card and he was off. Um, and the, the previous one had been controversial as well at Preston where he got cautioned for the, for, for the same thing. And it, it's become a recurring thing. And the worry that, that Keith, well, Keith Hackett has to declare that he's a Sheffield Wednesday supporter. Um, but he, he, he feels that Forestier has become a marked man, that referees are out looking for him. And he feels it's unjustified. Um, whether there's anything back in the Watford days that's precipitated this, I don't know. But... Uh, you know, it's been extremely harsh and I, I don't think you'd need to be a Sheffield Wednesday supporter to say that, really. What price him uh, going down and earning a penalty at Wembley or, or <laughs> indeed getting yellow card the other way? Uh, uh, finally, on, on this game, uh, who do you think, if anyone, uh, will be the, the Dean Windass figure this time for Hull? <laughs> for Hull? And now then, um, who's going to be the, the, volley for, the volley from the edge of the area? Well, you'd have to have uh, Huddleston, uh, possibly for that one, maybe. Abel Hernandez. Yeah, he's more, more, more likely to volley in from a yard, isn't he, I suppose, than, than the yeah. edge of the box. I think, uh, I think so. I think uh, listening to the whole players the other day, as I did, what really um, struck a chord with me was Curtis Davis, you know, experienced player. So looking back at that almighty fright they had against uh, Derby, where they almost surrendered a 3-0 lead from the first leg and scraped through 3-2 on aggregate, he said to me, you know, that that was the kick up the backside that they needed, uh, that they really had gone in there thinking it was going to be fairly routine and fairly easy that night. And the relief from that and having survived that ordeal, he feels he's going to you know, remind them of exactly the performance level that they will need uh, against Sheffield Wednesday, who I would, well, Hull are going to be favourites slightly. 
in my mind, I think it's the other way around. You think Sheffield Wednesday are going to do it? I do. Yeah, I do. Having seen quite a lot of them um, and the tight-knit group that they've got, uh, the, the fact that they maybe haven't got as many outstanding individuals or those who played higher with the reputation. But I think what they have got is a great sense of team. Uh, and I think for that, you have to credit a man that uh, Steve Bruce admitted to me yesterday that he, he'd never heard of until the beginning of this season. And yet he's an experienced manager abroad. Carlos Carvalho, who's come in as a nowhere man and could end the season as the man who takes a club back to the Premier League after an absence of 16 years, and everybody will know him. Well, as ever, promises to be a fascinating game. Alan, thanks very much for your time, not just for today, but for the many times over the seasons that you've, you've come on and you've helped us out. Thanks very much. Always been a pleasure. Thanks very much, mate. Thanks. Yorkshire's finest, Alan Biggs. Thank you very much indeed. Now, that just about wraps up our preview of all the playoff finalists. Before I go, I suppose I should do some predictions myself, shouldn't I? Put my neck on the line one last time. So, League Two, I would love Wimbledon to go up. It'd be a great story and, you know, you know how much we all admire everything that's gone on at Wimbledon over the years, but I think... Plymouth are going to do it. I was really impressed with them when I saw them earlier in the season. I think they've got some very good players and I think on the day they might just have a bit too much quality and I think Plymouth will do it. League One, I think it's going to be very tight indeed. I know Barnsley have won at Wembley already this season but I just think on the day I think I can see this going to extra time, possibly penalties and I'm going to plump for Millwall. And as for the Championship, I think it's the end of the road for Steve Bruce. And Hull, I think there'll be a parting of ways after this season. And as good as they've been at times this season, I think Sheffield Wednesday are the more exciting team. I've got to go with Forestieri. I'm backing him. I'm backing the Owls. And I think we're going to have Sheffield Wednesday back in the big time next season. So thanks very much for listening to this episode. Hope you've enjoyed it. Next week, we're going to be back and it's going to be the last show ever. It's going to be emotional. We'll speak to you then. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Go!